Okay, so what we're up to here is chapter 8 of Hamshachayim uh, Beis, page 12. So let me just sum up where we are. In the first discourse, we're in the second discourse, chapter 8. In the first discourse, he was talking, began discussing the structure, the map of existence. And essentially, there are two components. One is the, we'll call it the transcendent light, the makif, or what he called the willpower. The will that is the mamutza, that is the interface between the one who wills and what he wishes. Between the source and the object. That's the transcendent force. But to understand that well, which is keset, that's crown, that's the keset. But to understand that well, we have to understand the structure of what he wishes and how that came into being. So to understand it, he goes into understanding the world, what we call the world of atzilut the world of primius, the world of the structure of man, the structure of existence. So the first discourse really discussed it more than the analogy. The analogy reviews the concept of what we call eris primium, integrative forces. So as opposed to the transcendent energy, there is an imminent energy, which is integrated, is internalized. And we understand that through the faculties of the human being, where every container is tailored to the energy that enters it. It affects the energy, and the energy affects it. And they work together in a symbiotic relationship. And this, he goes into discussing exactly how they interact with each other, and how they, the energy itself is not a uh, amorphous and undefined energy. It is an energy that is initially one that is going to fit into a container, an erpnimi. So it's not like the transcendent light that just happens to be diminished to fit into our existence. It is actually the energy of existence itself and thus shaped in a shape and form of what we call the tzir ha'adam, the cosmic order, the shape of the, of the human being, the physical human being, shaped in the image of the spiritual, the supernal and primordial man. And the second discourse, which we're in the middle of now, began to discuss how this all is, this example as it is in the faculties of the human being, applies to the way things are in the world of Atzilus, as I just said, the supernal, the Adam Elyon, that even though the essence of the divine has no shape and form, but he manifests in shape and form, and that's the world of Atzilut, which is essentially the quintessential or the archetypal shape and form of all of existence. And here too goes through the details of how this world of Atzilus has, like we have, energy that enters into our faculties, the human being does. So Atsilas also has Iris and Kalim, energy and containers, and, and discussed how they're, how they're tailored to each other. And the last, in the last chapter, chapter 7, was a discussion of the, the idea of um, that, 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 that to understand how Atsilas is consists of energies that are premium, fundamentally integrated and internalized imminent energy as opposed to transcendent energy, he begins to explain the personality of Atsilas, that Atsilas is, number one, is not a new entity, it is a revelation of that which was there before and yet on the other hand Atsilas is also even more distant from the Ainsof, from the infinite, divine infinite light, than it is from the worlds below it so it's like somewhat of a contradiction which we're going to address now in chapter 8 is Atzilut divine, or is it is it human? What I mean by human, is it part of the structure, or is it part of the divine? And that's where this is critical for the whole interface that we've been discussing, that to understand that it's really going to be both. It's a divine as it manifests in the structure. But this section that we've just studied was that that Atzilut is as as even though it's divine. And thus, it is very distant from our existence, which is not divine, which is selfish and self-interest-oriented, self, uh, self-contained. Yet, as he said, that, that this world, the expression he used as we discussed, that, 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 that more than this, than, than Bria is distant from Atsilas, as Atsilas is, is distant from the divine light. Meaning that Atsilas, with all its divinity, is fundamentally an entity that is different than the divine in the fact that it has a structure. So it's not outside of the divine. It's a revelation that was there before. It's not a new creation, but it's still 
distant from the divine and 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 we recognize that through this world in this world because we see how this world was created we have to say that the atmos that the essence of god is so different and so different that it is distant in and in, in infinitely distant not just from this world but from all the worlds so now we have this this quandary this dilemma what's with the story with atsilus on one hand it's a divine world that is not new and a revelation of that was there before, that was of what was there before. On the other hand, it is more distant from the divine infinite light than we are from Atzilut. So we begin now chapter 8. So chapter 8, page 12. Ach, in a move on. However, it's not understood. Since Atsilus, like its name implies, is like Vatsalti, the imparting, it's taken from the verse in the book of Numbers in Bahalesha, in the chapter of Bahalesha, where God says, Vatsalti, I will impart from you, Moses, part of your divine spirit, upon the Skanim, upon the elders. So, in other words, it's an imparting of a spirit that's already there. This means, this is the idea of something that reveals that which was concealed. In other words, it's not a new entity. It's new in the sense that it's revealed, but think of it like a potential that was there, and you just have to access it. You have to just draw it out, as opposed to having to create something completely new. For example, to turn a, uh, a leopard into a tiger is a whole new entity. But to actualize the potential of a particular entity... It's called Gilead Helen. This means that it's not a type, a new thing. And he brings proof to it from a book called the Mareches, a Kabbalistic work, the Middle Ages. What's the book called? Mareches. In Hebrew? Okay, English. Or M A A. R-E-C-H-E-T. Okay. It really means editorial. Marechet is editorial board. Marechet is like the editorial board. But that's the name of the book. Marechet, like editorial board. Yeah. It's an interesting name. Yeah. Like the Marechet writes, because he creates like a Marechet also means a structure or an organizer. So what does he say? He says, atzils, when he explains that that nothing was new. What nothing new was 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 uh, innovated in the source. Venetzal, reaction is venetzal. Nothing was new. So this was done by Meitzel venetzal. Reaction is galu keicha kamos ba'chosim keicha lapel. Then Natsils, nothing was new. Nothing innovative was created in the within the Meitzel and within the thing that was imparted. It's only revealing the hidden. And the concealed potential, and bringing it into actuality, it's realizing potential. So, so therefore, we see from this atzilus is nothing new. And how do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile that with what we've just said? That atzilus is like completely distant. From the divine infinite light, suggesting that it is a form of creation or a form of distance. <clears throat> when here he's just said that Attilus is just revealing that which was there before. Okay? You understand the contradiction? Yeah, I don't see why it's a contradiction. <clears throat> well, why not? That it's a major contradiction. Is Attilus something new or is it not new? Why can't it be something not new and just supremely distant from its source and yet still revealing? Well, when you say it's not new, we mean that <coughs> it's revealing that which was there. Right. So that's... I don't see why that's inconsistent with it so you can't call being it being so distant from the source. So what if it's so distant? It can still, it still is revealing. It means when you say distance, it's not just distant. It means that it's not there. That the source does not have within it atzilut. That's what it means. That's why it's distant. 
When something is close, it's not close, physical close, it means that an earlier entity contained the lower entity. When you say something is new, it means the earlier entity, the, in, the original source, does not contain the lower entity. Is that still here we have a contradiction? On one hand, we're saying it's only revealing that was there before, and then we're saying that it's not there, because that, that's what distance means. Distance isn't just distance. We're talking about that it's a completely different reality than what was there before. That means that reality did not have within itself that silos that we're talking about. Okay? Okay. So, for example, Atsilus and Asiya, when we talk about the world of Atsilus and we talk about our lower world, they are very far apart. But Asiya evolves from Atsilus. They have, they have some relationship. When you say something is, is infinitely distant from something, you're saying it has no relationship. For example, the set of infinite numbers does not include finite. Within finite, a billion includes one. So the distance from one to a billion, yeah, think one to a billion is closer than a billion to infinite. That's the that's the problem here. So the word distance, I'm just qualifying, means actually a non it's an, it's non-existent on that higher level, or so we assume. He's going to explain it. who here the Indian is. What is the meaning behind this? Here's the explanation. It's known that Atsilus, its role, it is the interface, the intermediary between the infinite divine light of the source to the creations. And look what we discuss later, chapters 160 and 161 where he goes into detail about this uh, the element of this interface. The Yedua, and it's known, every interface every interface needs to have, needs to include it within it, both levels that it's connecting, or else it's not an interface. Okay? <clears throat> And therefore, Atsilus has in it both something from the infinite divine light of the source and something from the creations. And these two things are These are the energies and the containers of Atsilus. And I was going to explain in other words, what he's going to show here is that Atsilus has both elements. It has an element of the divine, and therefore it is Gilead Helen, just revealing something that was there. But it has an element of existence and creation, and, and that aspect of it, it is infinitely apart from the divine. And he calls this the containers and the energies. The containers of Atsilus are finite. Like it says in the book of Davodet HaKodesh from Ibn Gabai, another Middle Age classic Kabbalistic text. text. You cannot say that the divine has the power of the infinite and that does not have the power of the finite Say it again. You cannot say what? That the divine has only the power of the infinite and does not have a power of the finite. Because then, at the Mechasosh Lemusik, then you are diminishing his perfection. You're saying he's not complete. He only has the power of one and not over. You say, Imtemer. Because if you would say that the power of the finite, infinite, the end of the does not have the power of the finite, that's the way it says. It's not that you shouldn't say. It. If you would say that he has the power of the infinite, not the power of the finite, you are actually weakening his complete, saying that he's not complete. You're, you're diminishing his, his perfection. Because you're saying he's only infinite and not finite. He has only the power of infinite, not the finite. 
So you have to say that the divine infinite light has also the power to do, create the finite. And the first finite entity that emerges from him are the Sfirot. And his meaning, the meaning of this is, the intention of this is, means the containers. Meaning of this are the containers of the world of Atzilus, that they are finite. Which means that they're, in the, within the parameters and their personality and identity is specific. Chachma, wisdom. Chesed, love. It means it's chachma and not something else. It's chesed and not something else. So if you said that he only had the power of the infinite, which would mean no parameters, something that has no defined parameters, something would be missing. But his completion, his perfection dictates that there has to be also the power of the finite, and the power of the finite manifests in the spheres, which means the containers, the spheres, that they have a particular personality and identity. This and not that. The primary identity, the primary existence of Chachma and Chesed, which are examples of wisdom and love, are primarily in the containers. In the other words, primary what of their personality, identity, is primarily in the containers. We will discuss that they're also in the energy, but they primarily take on shape in the containers. So basically the containers reflect the part of the interface of Atsilus that is limited and defined, that represents the world of creation, the, the creations which are defined. The Gam Yeshagbala, in addition to the fact that they are defined by their personality, they have a, an identity. It's called wisdom. It's called love. Love is not kvura, not discipline. Wisdom is not understanding. Things have a place and a, and, a, and a specific identity with its parameters. In addition to that, he's going to explain another way that it's defined. A second element of its Hagbalah, they're also limited in how far they extend. So in other words, they're not just defined by their parameters that they are defined by with a certain identity, how far they extend. They have limits. They're not eternal. They don't extend infinitely long. In other words, besides their, their width, so to speak, besides their their vertical, um, one second, vertical is uh, this way? Horizontal. Right, that's horizontal. Right, besides their horizontal limitations, they also have a vertical limitation. Mm-hmm. Like it says in the Kabbalistic texts, that the sheer kema, the size of the of the pillar of creation, is two hundred and sixty-six thousand. Two hundred and sixty-six thousand five hundred and fifty-seven billion or trillion even. Parsois is a measurement; is like a mile. Less than a mile. In other words, it's 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 enormous. Allah from Bravava is million. Allah from is thousand, so two hundred and thirty-six million thousand millions. That means two hundred and thirty-six billions. Yeah. Um precise measurement. So it's enormous, but it still has a limit. Like the side the like the like the number of Rav Kayach, the words Rav Kayach. It's enormous energy. We can say that this definition, this limitation, this finite state, this measurement, is the way it manifests in Biya, in the worlds of Briyutsirasiya. That when Atsilas manifests and transmits and is drawn down into the worlds of Briya, that's when it is defined by this number. But in the world of Atsilis, you can say that this measurement, this size, has not yet been uh, defined in its extension. 
So even though Natsilis, every sphere has its parameters, but you can say the real definitions of how far they will extend are defined in Briah. Like it says elsewhere, like it tells us where that the primary role, the primary uh, idea of the contain of the finite nature of the containers in Atzilus, is that there should be a a um, a containment, a limited flow outside of Atzilus. In other words, think of it this way. He's just adding a dimension, understanding the finite nature of Atzilus. When a teacher, for example, transmits ideas to a student, he's transmitting them in a finite way, so the student can contain them. But within him, you can say they're, they're not, I mean, of course he's a, he's a human being, so being human is finite, but relatively speaking, he, he, the ideas in him are, are infinite. Gotcha. Yeah. But they're still specific ideas. So what, he's, what he began saying was that Atzilus has specific parameters, that we know, that's the containers of Atzilus. In addition to that, the flow the transmission, the expression of these containers, of these identities, are limited, vertic- you know, um, v- vertically limited. But now he's adding that that vertical limitation could be really outside of Atsilis. So Atsilis itself, you don't yet have that limit, but it puts on these breaks in order to transmit to the students or to the next level. So this, the real manifestation of the limitation manifests in the worlds below Atsilis. But Atsilis Gufa, but Natsilis itself, they're not finite. So there are containers in Natsilis that will limit the flow outside of Atsilis. You follow? Mm-hmm. And this is what it says in the book in the formation. The earliest Kabbalistic work there exists, some attributed to Abraham. So it says, Midosa, Esa, that the ten spheres, their number, They limit their uh, their 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 size, their parameters are ten. She'en lehemsof are ten that have no end. So you see here, it seems like a contradiction of terms. If they're ten, then they do have an end. They're ten. So how would you explain that they're ten and they have no end? The answer is Mavur Mokmachus, as is explained elsewhere. That this is not just on the energy level, but it's on the level of the containers, that they don't have any finite nature, as they are not silas. So the meaning of this then is as follows, that um, there are ten, meaning that each of them, they have ten identities, but within each identity, within themselves, they flow infinitely vertically. But but when they but they will limit the flow outside of their containers. So within their own realm, there are ten that have no end. Outside of their realm, meaning as Atsilis manifests and extends into Biyah, there those ten will actually have also a will have an end. But Natsilis they don't have an end. But Avamakom Mokum, nevertheless, Gam Kamoshain Batsilas, even the way they are Natsilas, Hamakinis Matias Midis Vikrechis. Even the way they are Natsilas, they still are a an entity. They are entities with identities of emotions and faculties. So they're defined entities. Khachmabina Das. Avla Eris, okay, that's containers. So basically. He's explaining the two sides of the interface of Atsilis. On one side, Atsilis has something that reflects and represents the definition of the world, and those are the containers that are finite. He explained what finite means. Finite, but yet have a dimension of infinite in their vertical nature. And the finite is in their identity and how they will express outside of the world of Atsilis and Briyatsilis. Now he continues, but the energy of Atsilis, this represents and reflects the other side of the interface, the side that represents the divine, the infinite divine light. And the energy, but the energies are not 
a defined existence called emotions. Because they're a reflection of the divine light, of the source. Who is completely not defined by any parameters and emotions and feelings. So therefore also its reflection is not shaped and defined by any parameters. So the sunlight, for example, light of the sun reflects what the sun is like. If the sun doesn't have any parameters, then the sunlight doesn't have any parameters. I mean, here's not a good example because the sun does have parameters. But think of the sun didn't have any shape and form. Its light, its reflection would also not have any shape and form. So we see from that energy, on the other hand, does not have shape and form like the containers. And now he explains how this is how we're, how this how this begins in the root of everything, in the root of this cosmic order. Ukiyudua, as it's known, the shedashaydashemakav. The root of energies come from the kav. Remember the kav? Mm-hmm. The kav is that narrow, thin ray of and thread of life, light, an energy that flows after the tzimtzum mm-hmm. into the black hole where the light, the divine light was concealed. So all energy comes from that kav. That kav is the root of all energy. From, that's the root of it all, that thread. The kav, the root of the extension of the of the amshacha, of the manifestation, of the, the drawing down of light, of the kav, comes from the infinite light before the tzimtzum. Like he writes in Eitzchayim, in the classic work of the Arizal, called the Tree of Life, in the beginning, that after the tzimtzum, he extended a narrow, a very narrow ray of light. But it came from Er Elyon, from the energy and light that preceded the tzimtzum. So he's proving here, he's trying to make the he's making the case that since energy or light comes from the kav, and the kav comes from the infinite light before the tzimtzum, you have to say that the light is similar to its source, and therefore also does not have defined parameters as opposed to the containers. But this needs to be analyzed as well, because as we will see as this develops, we'll see the kav and the light has also both dimensions. So even though right now we're speaking that the containers and the energy are the two aspects of the interface, we will soon see that the energy has, remember the energy has primi, the energy is integrated energy, the containers have elements that are not so defined. So everything is everything, but right now we're discussing it in the context of light and energy. So we're now discussing the kav. And the same thing with the kav. Even though the kav comes from the infinite light, but it's still a narrow thread. It has parameters by being a narrow thread. It's not an all-encompassing, undefined light. That's what he's asking now. And though the extension of the kav, the expression, the benefit, the drawing of the kav, the drawing down of the kav comes through the tzimtzum, through the concealment, the because everything, everything that's in existence, the general creation of structures, the general being of Atsilus, both Atsilus of the energies and both Atsilus, the imparting of the containers, everything came through the Tzimtzum that was in the infinite divine light. Because the Tzimtzum was in the energy. The Tzimtzum was not just regarding the the containers. The Tzimtzum actually concealed the energy. As it's known. Before the Tzimtzum, before the Tzimtzum, the revelation was literally infinite light. Like he writes, like it says in the the same Eitzchayim, in the beginning, that before the imparters were imparted, before the the Natsalim, the, 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 the imparted spheres of Atsilas were imparted, there was a infinite, simple, all-encompassing light that had no shape and form, Poshut, that filled all of existence. And had no head and no, bottom, no, and no end. Had no beginning and no end. 
Everything was one indivisible energy, light. What's that called? Was what's called? That way you just described before the imparting. The, uh, the, imparted it's the called light. the infinite divine light before the tzimtzum. Shove bashva achas was one indivisible mm-hmm. energy that was equal and total in, in, in equanimity. And that's called the infinite, the divine, I'm sorry, the infinite <coughs> light. That's called that's called the infinite light. That was what was going on before the symptom. Right. And so this, the Ian had symptom, who was it symptom then? The symptom, the concealment, who the symptom was that it concealed, that the infinite element was concealed and an energy was transmitted that was measured and weighed in a in proportionate to the world tailored to the universe to the existence so going back to what he's saying here so the energies that we're talking light we said as opposed to containers don't have shape and form like the kav but he's qualifying and saying that even though the kav, the thread of light, in a sense has no def- definitions, but it came after the tzimtzum, and therefore was impacted by the tzimtzum, and that tzimtzum concealed the energy and light. Nevertheless, so what then is the distinction between the energy and the containers? Nevertheless, Nevertheless, the primary role and need for the tzimtzum was in order to create the containers. Like he says in Eitzchayim, the first gate, the third branch, the end of the third branch, it's like a chapter, the end of the third chapter, that the need for the Tzimtzum was in order to shape the kalim, the containers. Because through the concealment and the diminishing of the light and the energy, <coughs> through the diminishing and the and the and the concealment, through the simsuma er miute, through the 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 concealment and the diminishing of the light, that allows the potential, the possibility for the container to come into being and to be revealed. Because the containers are of, of, of something of substance. They are made of... <coughs> they, they, a container, by definition, is it's something. Something that has substance. And as long as the, the divine light, the divine, the, 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 the divine infinite light The infinite light was radiating. There's no room for any substance, for anything to emerge. Because that's that's what was dominating. And truth, even the levels after the symptom, like for example, like in the level, like in the level of Ak, Adam Kadman, the primordial man, is the first world that's after the Tzimtzum. In other words, not only in the infinite light before the Tzimtzum, Kalim could not have emerged. Even after the Tzimtzum, the first world, because it's still so intense, the energy, even after the containment and the concealment, in Ak, in the world of Ak, there's not, there isn't any Kalim yet. Because the energy is radiating there, radiating there in a revealed manner. Which means not just the, uh, it is the, es- the essence of the kav, of the thread, it radiates in ak. Shemer sham, the gili mamish, it radiates there in a very, in literally a revealed manner. Therefore, there cannot be the existence of containers. There's no space for them. What's overwhelming is the, the infinite light. What's overwhelming is the light 
not infinite, the light. And then he goes even further. The next world after Ak, I'll explain this in a moment. If, if you, the Gamba Akudim, and the next world under Ak is called Akudim. Akudim means ten, 10 energies in one container. So there also the energy is so intense. There's only one container. So let me just explain this in, uh, in simple words. Generally speaking, when there ever there is, when we talk about energy and containers, there's a formula. The more the energy, the less containers. The more the containers, the less energy. We'll use an example. In the human body. The most energy is in the, brain, is in the head. It's the smallest container of the body. We have the eyesight. We have the nose. We have the mouth. We have the ears. We have the central nervous system. We have the spine. We have the brain. It releases the most heat. But physically, it's the smallest container. The chest, the torso, which has also organs, but not as many and not as intense, is larger. And the legs, which have even less, is almost half the body. So there's that rule that the more matter, the less energy. The less energy, the more matter. So matter, substance, matter, and energy are essentially disproportionate to each other. The same is true, for example, when you want to communicate, let's say, an idea. Okay? You'll find the more intense and more intimate your feelings, the less words you have. Because words are containers. You want to talk about superficial things, sports, weather, gossip, things that have no real significance? You have many, many words. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Because the more intense the power of the energy, the containers are too small. That's why metaphor, poetry, just a cry, a song, can capture more than volumes. So basically, containers and energy, even though they work hand in hand, but when there's too much gross matter and material, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this also in medicine. If there's too much, uh, too much, you know, the, the arteries are blocked, or something that is an overgrowth of something, it blocks the flow of life. Right? You need to have subtle containers to express more energy and. and and if the containers are hardened or they become crass and so on, they, they, uh, they, they black, don't allow the flow of energy to flow through. So bottom line is what he's saying here is that containers, that the main part of the symptom, the main function of the symptom was for the emergence of the containers. Because, because containers represent matter and substance, something of substance. And as long as the energy is so intense, there's no room for containers. And even after the symptom, it's a gradation that takes place. That you need to conceal the energies before the containers can emerge. So in Ak, only energy and no containers. In Akudim, 10, con- 10 energies, one small and very limited container. The next level will have 10 energies and 10 containers. Ak has no containers. Right. Akudim is energy into one container. Nikudim the next world will be a lot, 10 energies and 10 containers, but they're so intense, they create the breakage of the containers, if you recall. What's that word called? Nikudim. Nikudim. Like, yeah, like points. And then comes the third level of Rudim, or Tikkun, Atsilus, where there, the, the energy is going to be diminished enough that they can work together with the, ca- the container and they don't destroy one another. So he's basically demonstrating how when there's t- too much energy, there's, the, the containers cannot manifest. Thus, the symptoms' main function was not the diminishing of the light, but the emergence of the container. So that's the case that even after the symptom, ak and akudim, even there, the containers are very flimsy and either don't exist or only one exists. The kolshkin begins giliha erein sof symptom. So how much more so? When the infinite light before the symptom irradiates, it's impossible at all that the kalim should be created. So how do they create it? The only way they can emerge, the only way they can come to be is through the symptom, specifically through the concealment. The symptom, by definition, means the absence of light and revelation. That through this symptom, that is an absence, a concealment of light and revelation, the kalim can emerge.
A simple example, but not exactly, would be imagine throwing objects into an ocean. In an ocean, you don't even know they're there. For you to be able to discover them, you have to drain the ocean. You have to drain the water, and then the containers will emerge. Now, it's not an exact example because the containers in the ocean are there intact. Here, in the in- infinite light, they're not even, they don't even, they can't even emerge because they're completely subsumed. Mm-hmm. They're completely uh, immer- uh, uh, engulfed in the infinite light. But the idea is a similar idea. So for a container, which is the opposite of revelation, a container contains, a container is parameters, you need to conceal the light for the container to emerge. Or, you know, psychologically speaking, when someone's presence is so overwhelming, let's say in a relationship, the other person cannot be. You have to have some containment, some type of some type of concealment, some type of limitation of, of the energy flowing, or else there won't be an emergence of another entity. And the beginning of the shaping of the creation of the kalim of the containers is actually from the gufa tzimtzum, from the body of the tzimtzum itself. He's going taking it a step further. Not only does the, the tzimtzum conceal the energy to allow the containers to emerge, it actually the containers are created out of the body of the tzimtzum itself, out of the out of the tzimtzum, out of the personality of the tzimtzum itself. Like it says there in Eitz Chaim that, that he was citing earlier. On of Beis, the second branch, before he referred to On of Gimel. That the Inyan, the, the, the idea of the Tzimtzum, is to reveal the root of Din, which is the root of discipline, the root of concealment, the root of withholding. And the footnote there, and in, a, uh, and in a footnote there, that the root of din, the root of discipline, is the level of space, and that's the example, that's similar to the containers. So we see that the tzimtzum actually reveals this dimension, the space, which is the containers. He's bringing sources from the Kabbalah. Mishnah's Chassidim, who's a student of the Arizal, another great Kabbalist, Kosov. He was able to find, he was able to, um, he was able to conceive of the root of din, of discipline, of concealment, in 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 what he, and when he, um, concealed himself. So again, all showing that the tzimtzum, the body, the tzimtzum itself is the root of the din, of the discipline, of the withholding. What's din? Din means judgment. Din or din? Din. Din? Yeah. So the root of din, of, of, of judgment, is from the tzimtzum, the root of judgment. Judgment is the the name Elokim is the name that usually refers to concealment. You know, when you judge, you have to withhold compassion and love, right. and it's discipline. It's if Chesed love is extending feelings, Din is withholding them, and both are necessary. So Chesed would be like the the, the, the emanation and transmission of light, Kvura and Din would be the withholding, and that's all rooted in the Tzimtzum. So it's not just a symptom that conceals the energy. The symptom itself conceives of din, of uh, withholding. When he says mokim, what's the space? The space is the black hole, is the emptiness, is the empty hole, the black hole that was left when the symptom concealed the energy there. That's the, the, the space within it. I'm sorry. This space, is that empty space, is that emptiness. Within which, within which all the worlds were shaped. So Mishra Siddha is saying that he conceived of this, the root of din, of judgment and concealment 
by concealing himself. And that's the space that was created in this empty hole within which all the worlds were shaped and formed. Now, now he adds, remember this is a map of the picture. It's explained elsewhere. And more specifically, this isn't just the empty space. Within the empty black dark hole that was left after the tzimtzum concealed the light, a residue, rishimu, this is a new word. There's a certain residue, a certain leftover, something remained after the light was concealed. That's actually the space that was revealed through the tzimtzum. So when the tzimtzum, when the light was contained, when the light was concealed and concentrated, and it left a black hole, it wasn't a complete empty black hole. Something remained there, very, very, like a residue, that would become the, that was what we call now space, within which the space of existence and the, and the parameters of all existence would, 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 uh, would be shaped and, and formed. So think of it like this. Think of it like an example I gave earlier. The sea parts, the ocean parts, now you have a space. In this space, now we can create an independent entity. When a teacher doesn't overwhelm a student and contains himself, he allows space. When a relationship, there are two people and you let space with the other person, they emerge and you can build something. But as long as the ocean is just spilling over and, and flooding everything, there's no room for this type of emergence. So that's called Rishimu. How do you spell it? R-E-S-H-I-M-U. Okay, so all this is the containers. So the containers are made, the main primary role of the symptom is to reveal the containers. They're made possible when the light is diminished. And then there's this emergence of the space that I'm referring to, the residue, which is the root of all the containers. Mashenk and Aeris, on the other hand, the Aeris, the energies, their substance, their creation is not from the symptom. Because from absence you can't create revelation. From absence of light you can't create revelation of light. The absence of light that the symptom did was primarily to reveal something that's not light, which is container. So the, 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 so the, so the symptom did impact the energy as we will discuss. It diminished it. It concealed it. But their actual existence of light doesn't come from the symptom. Because symptom is the opposite. Symptom conceals, doesn't reveal. So think of it like this. Think of a projector, okay, projecting white light onto a wall, right? And then you put a film in between that reflects letters or images or a movie or whatever. So the images and the movie could not be made possible unless you had that film. The light is not, it precedes the film. The light is shaped by the film, but the light is not created by the film. Clear. The light is created by the projector that precedes the film, the filter. So through absence of light, you cannot have light. Absence of light does not create energy, does not create a revelation. Where does the light then come from after the symptom? It comes from light that, that reflects after the symptom. The kav that flowed after the symptom, from there, light receives its uh, energy. And that, and that flows from Atma Senso, from the light before the symptom, from the essence of the light, divine, infinite light before the symptom. And even though that the kalim, the containers in actuality, is quite qualifying. That also the containers themselves don't just emerge. Like here, like I mentioned with the film. The images you see on the wall, on the on the screen, right? Yeah. Are shaped by the film. So but without the light, you also wouldn't have those images. So the containers also come to us through the light. But they don't originate from the light. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even though that in actuality the containers also come, like I said here, the images of the letters also come from the ray of light. It's because through light and energy 
and revelation, all of existence was created. Remember that? Because remember, if you only had a film, you couldn't see a movie. You need a light that shines through the film. Okay? That's because the kav, the ray of light, manifests in the film of the Rishimu, in the residue. And Dafkin, precisely only, only through that, are the containers created from the energy. So exactly in this analogy, it's a perfect analogy for this. You have a ray, you have a projector projecting light. Think of that as the light before the tzimtzum. With that alone, you do not have any existence. It's too, it's too, it's an indivisible light, it's just white light. The tzimtzum conceals the light. The tzimtzum is like the film you put in there. It conceals the light. And now lets the light, but here there's one step different. In a projector, it just, it doesn't conceal it completely. It's just, uh, it's opaque. It's uh, just, it shapes it. The symptom, imagine, conceals the entire light, then puts a filter, a, a, a screen, a, uh, what did I say, a, uh, a film, a film that allows now the light to shine through. So the light now is originating from the projector. The images and anything that you're seeing is originating from the residue, from the film. But it can't get to the wall. You can't see it unless the light shines through the residue and shapes it, and then now you see it. So you really have two entities coming from two different places, but and that's the process of how it works. Make sense? Yep. Okay. <coughs> the Inyan, and this is the Inyan now is introducing another concept. It says also in Kabbalah that from the particles, not really the particles, Yisavus, from the thickening, from the thicker parts of the energy, the keli is made. The inyan hisavus and this thickening is ubchinas habola lametzius sheboed sheboed edavaracha. This thickening is a finite element and some type of substance that's within the energy that comes from elsewhere. He's adding now one more component. And let's use the projector example. When the projector shines now through the film onto the screen. It's both a combination of light that's being shaped by the residue by the containers, okay? By defined containers. He's adding that the light itself also has in it certain pieces, particles. That um, that really, that are not coming from the light itself. In other words, somewhere the power of the infinite has also embedded within the energy certain thickening. That's not pure energy, and allows it to, and from that will ultimately also evolve the containers. Just another additional element of how containers, <coughs> our containers, <coughs> it's just an additional element of how containers are shaped and formed. And Kumail Derech Moshe, he gives an example. The Kumail, like an example, like the letters of the mind. Shekol inyan sichli, every intellectual idea, haryesh ba'eshtis, has letters. Ba'meshi yislab is ve'izgala, letters in which it dresses and manifests and, and is revealed. Shegam kaidim sheba begili ba'asaga, that also before that concept came, was, was consciously understood, was consciously in our minds, comprehended, consciously comprehended, haryesh ba'eshtis behelem. It has concealed Letters. And afterwards they become actual letters that allow the seichel, that allow the idea to be manifest. In other words, before we actually think of an idea, we also have within us tools, defined parameters. But when the seichel, when the idea begins to become shaped and formed, that's when those letters we begin to actually take on a certain form of, certain manifest form. So they have, the energy also has, in other words, the potential Somewhere letters. And these letters don't come from the actual intellectual idea. Because if they did, if they did, if that's the case, then every idea should have unique, tailored letters just for that idea. 
And we see that that's not the case. In other words, letters are type of neutral entities. like They're like tools that any idea can use. So you have to say letters are not a fundamental part of the idea. The idea just uses these right, letters. Like right, I'm speaking right. right now. I use A, B, C, D, E, but I can use it for an infinite amount of ideas. So you have to say the letters don't come from the original concept, but they shape and form the concept. So in other words, they exist beforehand, like I said with the film. So the letters are not from the intellect, but they come through the mind. The mind carries them. In other words, the film is not originated in the light. But the light carries them to us. Follow? So the letters that I'm using right now are not originating in the mind. But the mind and its intellectual power when it uses it uses these letters to express itself. The same thing is those thicker components, those thickness, the thicker substance in the energy, which is which which is the which is which is its finite parameters that come from the Rishima, from the residue, the From that's where the kalim. That's where the Kalim were created from. And the true source of the Kalim of the containers is from the residue, from the Rashima, from the leftover residue. The only thing is the process of how it's created. The images we see on the wall, on the screen, come from the film, not from the light. But the process of how we see them come from the, the, the thin ray of light, which is the revelation, the transmission. Because every existence, everything that comes into being has to come through a revelation. If you didn't have light, you'd only have a film, you'd only have darkness, you'd only have concealment. Everything has to come through a, an expression. And in this case, it's the light that expresses it. But the root of the containers are not in the light, they are in the film, in the residue. But the but the but the essence of their root of their creation is from the residue. So we see two distinct entities. And and the root of the energies of the light that comes from the etzim akav. They come from the essence of the ray of light from the projector. And that is the revelation of the infinite light before the tzimtzum. That came down, was drawn down after the tzimtzum in a narrow thread of light. So what do we conclude in this? Valkane, and therefore, therefore the energy really have no substance. They don't have any substance and being, an identity that's defined in parameters that are defined. And now he concludes, these are the two levels of the interface of Atzillus. Remember, we're talking about the two dimensions, the two levels of the interface, one that represents the divine, infinite light, and one that represents the creations, one that, the, that represents no shape and form, and one that represents parameters and finite and finite identity. The energy, the light in Atzillus, that comes from the infinite light of the source within this interface. And the containers, the element inside of the interface that are relative and defined and 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 uh, and tailored and identifiable, proportionate to the creation. Now he says. Now he adds something. He's going to explain how this is Torah. In Yudua, now it's known that Torah is also an interface between the divine light and the worlds. Like it says in the Zohar, that God looked into the Torah and created the world. The Torah is a blueprint. The Torah says, I was God's tool chest. I was God's palette. Kleomnosi means actually tools. 
tools for this for his handiwork. The kiyum kol advarim hagashu v'savusim ayin liyeshu aideyatayda. Atayda dasiya. The kiyum, the maintaining the existence of everything that exists and and the creation of everything from nothing to something from ex nihilo, is through the Torah and asiya. So the Torah as it is manifest in this world of asiya. Shekol hadvarim agashu naksuvim b'tayda heim heim chayusim v'kiyum yeshmehem. That everything that talks about in the Torah, the material things the Torah talks about, about people, about trees, about places, they are, they, that is, that precisely is the soul, the life, the source and sustenance of those actual physical things. Because the Torah is the, the, the way that is, is what carries the power of creation into existence through the map. God looked into the Torah and created now, some things say specifically in the Torah, Yeshmehem Shnem and Berem, there are things that the Torah says in a hint. So, even though there are things in this world that you may not find an exact physical counterpart in the Torah, but it's hinted to in the Torah. And this is what our sages say that our, that Dibra Chacham, that the wise men, the sages, spoke Behavior. They spoke about the present. But Behavior also means Hainu Behisavas. That the that they spoke about the creation. So the Divr Chacham, the words of the wise, were speaking about the creation, that they, their Torah actually was the source of the creation of everything in existence. In every world, in every universe, there's a Torah, there's a level of Torah. Through which that level in Torah is the transition and the, un- and the, and the, and the joining of the divine light in that particular world. Just a few more lines. Yeah, because I, uh, it's, it goes, you go so fast. Is it ever possible for me to get a, uh, watch this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just finish a few okay. more lines. And this goes so fast, I just can't keep up and absorb. I can write the words down. You're going to buy a minute. Go ahead, finish. And this interface of the Torah is not like the interface of the worlds. Because the interface in the world that we were talking about, Natsilus, doesn't come from the essence itself. It comes from a reflection of the essence. But Torah, and the Torah, the interface is not a, uh, does not separate. It actually unites and transmits the essence of the divine. As it says elsewhere. This will all be explained a lot later. Much later, when he talks about the whole dimensions, nevertheless, this expression of the divine essence is through an intermediary. Intermediary. And the intermediary interface includes and contains two levels. That's the end of the inner dimension of Torah, the esoteric. And the outer exoteric dimension of Torah. The external, or the outer dimension of Torah, comes in a finite way. Like we read in the Talmud, these are the things that are treif, that are not kosher. The and these are the things that are kosher. So very clearly, by saying these are the things that are this way, these are the things that are not this way. These are things that are non-kosher. These are things that are kosher. It's very clearly defining things by measurement and parameters and metrics. Because this is how the Torah is manifesting and relating to each thing in the world. And the defined worlds are all very defined in a defined way. It's this and not that. It's finite. The inner dimension of the Torah in the has no measurement, has no finite elements at all. Like it says in, 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 the, Torah, in the Talmud or in Medrash. Everything has a parameter, everything has an ending, everything has a boundary. Except from Torah. Except the Torah that has no boundaries. What does that mean? It's referring to the inner dimension of Torah. This is the second dimension of Torah, that is the, the infinite light in Torah, 
Shabbat is believable. That is without end. That finishes this chapter. So briefly, I'll summarize it. I'll summarize it like this. In this chapter, what he came to explain to answer the question that, uh, that he didn't answer directly yet, but he began to answer. Now, what is Atsilis? Is Atsilis Gilea Helen? Is it the revelation of something that was there before? Or is it something new that doesn't exist before? Because on one hand, we say it means to impart. That means it was there before. And like he brought from the Mareches, which is the Kabbalistic work, that nothing new in Atsilis is just revealing the potential that was there before. On the other hand, we said Atsilis is even more distant from the divine light than this world is from Atsilis. So therefore, it doesn't exist. Atsilis doesn't exist in that dimension. So to answer that, he began explaining the concept of an interface. It's not so complicated if you sum it up. Listen, the interface has two components. It has something from the infinite. It's an interface between the divine infinite and the creation. So it has something from the infinite. That's the energy. And he went at length here explaining how energy is not defined by, by um, and it has the containers. The containers, as he explained, are very finite and have finite parameters. The energy is infinite and does not have finite parameters. Even the energy that comes after the tzimtzum is still rooted in the energy, like in the projector, in the light before the tzimtzum. However, it comes down and now is a ray. The containers, on the other hand, are rooted in the residue, in the tzimtzum itself. And then they interact. For that to be revealed, the process is through the light. But they're two distinct entities. So basically, Atsilis has an element of finite in it, an element of infinite. Clear? Yeah. And that's the, inter- that's the interface. <clears throat> and now he concludes the chapter by saying Torah also has this element. Except in Torah, Torah reflects the divine essence, whereas Atsilis, in the worlds, the interface is more of the reflection of the divine. So Torah too has the inner Torah and the outer Torah. One is a taste of the infinite, one is a taste of the finite. That's briefly what we've just discussed. But in detail, he went through the whole meaning of what containers are, how containers' energy are not the same personality, that when there's more energy, there's less container, and so on and so forth. But Atsilas has both elements in them, as the Torah does. If you want, I could conclude the end of the discourse. It's up to you. You want to stop here? Yeah. Yeah, but I really... Okay, just, that's really fine. So we'll stop here, page 14. We're close to the end of chapter 8. Now, are you done? In other words, there's... I don't know what to do. There's such profound ideas.